Hello and welcome to Revival Fire's podcast. We are so glad that you are tracking this Field of Dreams series with us. And this message by Trevor Baker is called The Burden of the Dream. We want to invite you to come and join us at Revival Fire's church or to gather at one of our events or conferences. Visit our website for full details. We look forward to welcoming you right here in Dudley. Well, isn't it great to be back together? You know, I'm just really enjoying these times where the church is gathering together yet again. And it's so good to welcome visitors with us from different places and uh, old friends coming back in just to pick up fellowship again. Also for people watching online, it is just such a blessing to be able to come and minister this morning. And uh, last week we started a series about... um, The Field of Dreams. And uh, I watched that movie again. Anybody watch the movie over the last week? There's some of you sort of right on track. Uh, I recommend that you um, read. There's some great lines. And uh, one of the lines I'm going to really focus on this morning, um, apart from the the word that we're really going to get into, and that is that um, there's a part in the um, film where he talks about he may have had a dream, but he didn't do anything about it. How many people have dreams and they never do anything about it? You understand? And sort of what is a dream? A dream is a longing yet to be fulfilled. It's a vision that's not a reality. It's a desire that you have that begins to take hold of you and yet... At times you don't know how to put it into action. It's something that enthralls you. It's something that draws you. And as it does, it draws other people with you. You know, anybody had one of those dreams? You know, there's just some of the things. You know, I am 68 now. I know I don't look it. But I'm 68 now. And I'm thinking, God, what are the dreams You know, when I was 40, just jotted some things down At the age of 33, I went from um, Oxford to a church that we were in there to go all the way up to a place called Telford. There's a big difference in living in Oxford and living in Telford, let me tell you. And, um, and we left this great church, a church of over 500 people, and we went up to um, Telford. Why? Because we had a dream to do something. And the dream was that we were going to break into the heroin addiction in that area. And, um, and so we sold up our home. We moved into and we had a little, uh, well not so much a little, it was a, a, a link detached house in Oxford or in a place called Whitney just near Oxford. The church was Oxford Community Church. But we moved to Telford. We were able to buy a five-bedroom house in um, Telford, you know, set in its own grounds. And we started to have people who come and live with us who had addictive problems. You know, that was at the age of 33. You see, you have a dream and you have to do something about it. And, And I'll come to pick up one or two of these things then. At the age of 43, I went to Toronto. And at Toronto, God just took me apart, put me back together, but put a new dream in my heart. And that was to see God taking revival and the renewal and the blessing of the Father around the nations of the world. And so we were thrust out from this place, this ministry that had grown from just me and Sharon and our two girls to a place where we had 15 full-time workers, a 28-bed centre, three move-on houses, and a 40-place daycare centre in Birmingham. And at the age then of 43, God says, no, at the age then when we moved, I was 46, but that's when God says, it's time to move on. A dream that you have. You see, sometimes dreams come to an end. And you have to pick up another dream. 
And God has something else for you. And we handed all that over and then we came from Telford to Dudley with eight people. Let me tell you, you can do a lot of things with eight people. Do you know when you're eight people, everybody is in it, lock, stock and barrel. You know, everybody is for it. There is not one negative or one hindrance that we're all going for it. We were eight people. And, uh, you know, and all of that, because we had a dream and because God spoke to us a prophetic word out of a dream. And so we came here and here now, 68, looking at God and we're not moving on. This is, this is our resting place. But I'm saying, God, what is the dream now? What is it that you have now? Because we can't live on the dreams of 20 years ago. You can't live on the dreams of 20 years. Listen, I believe that there is a lifespan of a dream. And it's around about 20 years. That's what I found in life. That there's a, a lifespan. And the more you move into it, the more you see it coming to fruition, you have to get something else. And I'm not just talking about maintainers. I'm talking about pioneers. Pioneers and maintainers, even maintainers, have to continue to have dreams of how things can be changed and developed. We don't all have to be pioneers. God has put us in places where we can use the skills and the giftings that He's put within us. But listen, let none of us have a dream, but we don't do anything about it. And sometimes that dream will take everything in you to go and do. And, and leaving things behind, moving on. And so here, when you look at this life of Nehemiah, Nehemiah was in a very comfortable position. You know, he was, he was living his dream in the place of exile. He was just, Hey, he was advisor to the king. I know it says cupbearer, and I know people have said, oh, you know, he was the butler. But listen, he was more than a butler. He was right alongside the king at every turn. He was like his personal advisor and his personal bodyguard. Whatever the king was going to eat, he ate first. And he didn't do it just out of a, a place of, well, you try and if it's works for you, I'll, I'll eat it. No, he was there because he was protecting the interests of the king. And he was giving advice to the king. There were places that he would go into that the king would never go into. There is, there is at times an etiquette. There are things that you can get into that I will never get into. And so we have to realize that we're working together. You know, and so here, he wasn't just this butler. He wasn't just sort of pouring out a bit of... He was in a very comfortable position. He was living in palatial surroundings. And he was living, I believe he was living his dream and until one day. See, our lives can change in one day. And God brings something and it resonates in you or he brings a person because, you know, what God does, he always does by relationship. Person in the church here, Tom, he may be watching this morning. He had a dream last night. I believe it was such a prophetic dream. It was the dream of two kings um, to Elijah, giving the mantle to Elijah. And he just picked up on one part that I finished off with last night. And he said, in the dream, Trevor, God just showed to me that everything we get comes out of a relationship that we have. And the two of them walked on together. You see, who are you walking on together with? See, that is key for you if you're going to live out your dreams. It's about walking on together. And also it's about picking up something. Listen, I often, and I preach it, you know, the anointing and the mantle that we get older. But let me tell you this. And I, I will get into this um, this morning. And that is the dream that you carry will also carry a burden with it. And, um, and that was what I said here, what I put on the top, the, the burden of your dreams. You see, so often we're wanting the dreams that, yeah, come on, let's get at it. Let's, you know, but then you have to, then you have to at the age of, um, how old was I? 33. You have to put your house on the market. You've got two little girls. One's 
four, the other one's one, and uh, Shan's given me the... <laughs> I could have said she's given me the finger, but... <laughs> <laughs> but she's counting for me, okay? She's counting for me, okay? I need all the help I can get. That's why we're moving on together. And, uh, and then you have, to, you have to pack all your belongings together. You have to, you know, you can take some things into your room. We, we brought a lovely um, three-piece suite into our lounge, and then I decided that I would build um, a, a study in the, um, the annex to the garage. This was in Oxford. So we built this, um, this little study there. We came to get the settee out and we couldn't get it out. We had to break this huge big window pane in order to get the settee out. You see, when we start looking at our dreams, there is an upheaval that takes place at times for us to move into them. Listen, don't always think of the sweet by and by. Sometimes when you begin to get hold of a dream, there is a burden that's going to be attached to it. And listen to these words. In the month of Kislev, in the 20th year, while I was in the citadel of Susa, Han and I, one of my brothers, came from Judah with some other men. And I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that survived the exile and also about Jerusalem. Do you know something? It's not good to question people about a condition of a situation. Because God may be wanting you to do something about it. And so... Be careful what you ask about situations. If you have a real heart for them. There are some people, and we, I know we do it all the time, how are you? You know, if I went round here this morning and I said, no, how are you? You know, I mean, I would say that most of the answers I would get was, I'm great, you know, fine. And uh, whatever's going on back story is, the, the front picture is it's fine. You know, but I wonder if we really went round and asked, well, how are you? You know, what would be the answers? You know, there's a sense of excitement and there's a sense of trepidation as I'm making a move, Mark, out of the comforts of my home, you know. Um, but, we can, but we can still bring our washing home from time to time, Mark. Okay, but don't tell your mom I said that. Um, but there's all of those things. I'm going to pray for you um, at the end as well, Mark. And um, Mark's going off to university. In fact, I'm going to pray for you now. Just stand up, Mark. Um, see, the word I had in the worship for you was Hebrews chapter 10, verse 9. And that is, he takes away the first that he might establish the second. You think this may be your second best, but God says his second best was what he always intended and what he always planned for. There are things that he's going to do with you in this situation that he couldn't do with you in any other situation. He wants you to know, Mark, that this has been ordered by the Lord. Warwick is ordered by the Lord for you. There are things that you're going to develop in there. there are, there's going to be relationships that you will develop there that they will be with you for the rest of your life. And God says, those are the things that I'm going to do. I'm going to so develop you that you're going to be so skilled when you come from that to take hold of the things I placed in your heart. There's going to be those who are going to walk with you, those who are going to run with you, those who are going to pray for you. There are relationships that God has already got in place for you, Mark. Right in that place. And he says, this is his first choice for you. And this is going to be a time when you grow in new ways. Not in ways of the old, but this is time when you're going to really grow. And you're going to grow to the degree of the dream that you're carrying within you. And so the Lord would say to you this morning, Mark, this is my first choice. I took away the first that I might establish you in the second. And my second is better than your first. Hallelujah. God bless you. You see, and <clears throat> where was I? Somebody remind me where I was. Be careful what you ask for. 
You know, and if you were to go around, and if we were to be really honest, and people shared with us the things that they're going through, I wonder what our response would be. Do you understand? Or do we just, well, that's okay, yeah, bless you, I'll pray for you. And we don't give another thought about it. Listen to what it says. I questioned them. Then they said to me, those who survived the exile are back in the province and are in great trouble and disgrace. That word disgrace could also be great lamentation. And um, the wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. I mentioned last week, he first inquired about how the people was before how the project was. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept for some days and I mourned and I fasted and I prayed before the God of heaven. Then I said, O Lord God of heaven, great and awesome God who keeps covenant of love with those who love him and obey his commands. You see, what happened at that point when he found out he received the burden of the Lord. He received a burden, but the burden was also in the shape of a dream. He had a dream of what it could be like if he could get back to that place of Jerusalem where he would leave the the comfort of the palace and he would move to that place. And in moving to that place, he could see something that no one else could see. He saw walls that had been built up. He didn't see the ruins and the rubble that people were reporting. I wonder how you look at things. I wonder how you look at the situation that we're in. I wonder how you're viewing the situations of your life. Do you see the rubble lying in ruins or do you see them built up and you see them completed? See, that's what a dream will do for you. It will cause you to lift your sights higher. It will cause you to look to heaven and to say, Oh Lord, God of heaven, the one who keeps covenant. You see here, it wasn't about his burden. It was about God's covenant. And listen, so here, we can have a dream and the dream will carry a burden with it. You see, there is a geographical location in which you're going to construct, in which you're going to set in place something that God would come into. And I'm not talking about a place of worship. I believe in this room that we could be community changers and don't always look for someone else Start to get hold of a burden for your community, for yourself and start to do something about it. You know, as I said here, it says the, he may have had a dream, but he didn't do anything about it. What about you? Are you doing anything about your dream or are they just fleeting dreams? They come in and they've gone and then you're looking for another one. Listen, I believe that God no longer wants butterfly dreams but he wants dreams that carry burden with it. And I wonder if you're allowing the burden of the Lord. It says in Habakkuk, the oracle of the Lord. That word there, oracle, is also the word and the word that carried such a weight upon Habakkuk. And look at what Habakkuk prophesied out. Can you see? I want you to take hold of something here Nehemiah was carrying a burden, the geographical location. I talked last week about the dual vocation. You may be working in this field, but God wants you also to work in this field. And we have to get out of just being one-dimensional people. We have to be multi-dimensional in our vision and in our calling. It doesn't matter. You, it's not about this is spiritual and this is practical. Or this is spiritual and this is natural. Listen, in God, both of them come together. The earth is the Lord's. Wherever God has put you, He's put you there in order that you can turn ruins and that you can build them into something that He would inhabit. And it can be a protection around people. Oh, we're going to go somewhere in this coming time. You know, and listen, it doesn't all happen in a flash of a pan. 
You know, here, so there's a geographical location, so the field. Where is your field? See, for Nehemiah, it was Jerusalem, but it was also Susa. And you know, it was, I told you last week, it was a 28-day or 23-day journey over desert. Listen, if you're going to take that track, you must have something that is enthralling and drawing you. A burden. The burden of the Word of the Lord that God has spoken over you. Listen, there is nothing greater. You know, I was talking this week to people and they have the joy of um, childbirth. And, and also in the joy of all of this, then there's also the, the um, wife is having morning sickness. But it's like, bring it on. Do you know why? Because of the joy of the dream of family. And so here, yes, there is this, but this is what I'm aiming for. This is temporary. This is continuation. Yeah, I'm going to go out of this stage into this. See, that's what that's what burdens do. You're only in it for a time. And so here, where is your field? What is it that God wants you to build? See, what is it that you're looking at that looks like ruins, that looks disordered? What is it that He's saying to you? I want you to pick it up and I want you to start putting things into their right place. I want you to start connecting things together so that something of substance, and that is your dream, can come forth. And how are you to build? I quoted last week, 1 Corinthians 3, 9. You are God's field. So there is a dream in your field. There is a dream for your life. You are God's field. You are God's building. So there's a field and there is something to build. Hallelujah. See, so what is it in your life? See, that's your field. That's the the sphere of your life. But what are you putting into your life? What are you building in, in terms of the dreams and the destiny that God has for you? Listen, when you were born, God put you into a battlefield. Did you know that? Oh, I'll take a breath there. I'll take a breath there while you're catching your breath. When you were born, you were put into a battlefield. Right in the very midst. Do you know who I know that? Is because God said this to the serpent. I'm going to put enmity. I'm going to put hostility between the woman's seed and your seed. So when you got born, let me tell you, God put you right in the midst of a battle zone. See, how do you see it now? What are the things that you're battling with? Let me tell you, what you're battling with today is going to be somebody's victory tomorrow. You see, so often we're trying to fight just our own battles, but listen, your battle will be somebody else's victory tomorrow. You know, the sword that David slew Goliath with, He went for it at one point. It was Goliath's sword, but David took it from him. And when he was on the run from Saul, he said to Ahimelech, where's the sword that I slew Goliath with? There is no sword like it. Give it to me. See, there are things that you're going to defeat in your life. And when you defeat it, you take that sword and you begin to cut down the enemy in other people's lives. Come on, give him praise this morning. That's what we're here for. That's your... That's your dream. Each one take care how he builds his work because it will be shown for what it is. That's the next verse in 1 Corinthians 3 verse 10. Take care how you build. So if we're going to do something, we have to do it carefully. We have to do it knowing that we're not on our own. We need to do it under supervision. Jesus said, I will build my church. And again, it's a battle zone and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So you thought, well, we come into church and it's going to be great. I believe that God is about to show up in some ways that is different to what we thought he was going to show up. 
You know, when God says, I will build my church, let me tell you what He was doing. He was saying, okay, I'm going to build my church. I'm going to bring people together. It's going to be the ecclesia. It's going to be the, the legislative council of God upon the earth. But I'm going to bring hell's gates right up to your doors. You see, but so often it's gentle Jesus, meek and mild, look upon me, his little child. You know, we look upon Jesus as the pale-faced Galilean. One thing is, he's not pale-faced. And the other thing is, he's a Nazarene. And so here we can look at these things and we can give up on, give up on our dreams because they start to get so hard. See, sometimes we feel, you know, as we start to build, you start to get things into place. I remember I worked on the build in the construction for a number of years in my life. And one of the things that the bricklayers would always go on about was the bricks they were building with. You know, and um, I remember walking by this bricklayer this one day and, um, and he, he had a brick in his hand and he said, how on earth? Do they expect us to build with bananas? You know, and he, he lobbed that brick as far as he could throw it. You know? But you see, God is building his structure with bananas. We may look bent and out of shape, but listen, that's okay with God. God can use anything that we present to him. And let me tell you, he will straighten it up. He will sort it out. He will so put you in the right place. You know, when God wants to accomplish something, he prepares a man and a woman, puts them in the right place. You're in the right place. Whatever you might think, whatever disappointments that you've gone through, I want you to know this morning that in God, you're in the right place. You're at the right timing of God. Listen, all of what's going on, this various things that has knocked everything out of kilter. We've had all our times, all our plans changed, haven't you? We wanted to go places. You can't go places. You know, when you go, you, when you come back, you're actually locked down, all of those things. But let me tell you, in God, we're at the right time. Yeah. We are positioned here at the right time. You're positioned in God at the right time. And not only that, you're with the right people. I didn't know who was going to be here today. God did. And I want you to know that you're aligned with the right people. There is something that God is going to do that is going to cause your dream to come forth. You see, for Nehemiah, he had to be aligned with the right people. He had to know a Hanani, and the Hanani caused him to take the next step. I preached yesterday on a jo Joshua. He needed to align with the Moses, but God was going to do something different with the Joseph that he did with the Moses. And I'm not getting into that message this morning. But here, the greater the burden, the clearer your vision. Write that down. The greater your burden. If you're carrying a burden, let me tell you, the clearer your vision. Burdens were never supposed to break you down. But they are to give you clarity of vision. You see, here when he heard of this situation of the people, that they were in terrible trouble. You know, it was horrendous what was going on for the Jews back in the land. And also, the walls were lying in ruins. All their hopes of coming back, all their hopes of having a place not only of worship, but also a place where God would rule his kingdom from. So they would come under the kingdom rule because they were still under the rule of the Persians. You know, they'd just come out from under the tyranny of the Babylonians. Now they were under the rule of the Persians. And here they were. They still couldn't have their own laws. They still didn't know how it, they were going to function as a freed people. And so here, and from the time of the setting of the first stone in place for the altar to the time when the walls had been rebuilt. There was 140 years. It was 70 years plus before Nehemiah goes back to Jerusalem. 
after they'd built the altar and the temple had been reconstructed. You see, God is working his purposes out. Do you understand that we are here for a span of time? Let us use the span of time that God gives to us. And as we use that span of time, what are the things that we are bringing God's order to? What are the things that we are lifting up from the place of ruins? And so we need a burden. The greater the burden, the clearer the vision. What is the burden of the Lord? I said we'd get into that. The burden of the Lord. It's the weight of God's Word. Malachi says too in Malachi 1.1. And listen, a lot of the prophets start out with this. The oracle of the Word of the Lord. And so here there is something of the weight. We often call on the, the glory, the kabod, the weighty presence of God. But let me tell you, there is another weight too. And that is the weight of God's Word as He puts it on you. So that His Word will be made flesh in your life. Just like it was made flesh in the life of the Lord Jesus. You know, and Jesus carried a burden Jesus went to the cross. He carried a burden. Jesus said that we need to bear our own cross. I'll come to that. And so here, what is the burden? What is the problem? What is the difficulty? What is that which God has put upon you? We can often talk about, you know, the dreams that we have, the vision that we have. But don't you think there are times... Don't you think there are times in the field of your dreams that that burden is overwhelming? I have known it as we were in Telford. We started this great dream. 12 months later, the people that we were working with withdrew all their funding from us. We had nothing. Zippo. And there we were just with a dream and with nothing. And I'm talking no food. No food. The only food we got was when somebody put food on our doorstep. Don't you think that that becomes a burden for a man in his 30s with a wife and two children, one, four, one, one? You know, listen, there are times when God puts you under that pressure to see what is in there. And so here, and we just push through, and as we push through, you know, we started out, we also had people who were recovering from addiction. And, uh, and out of that, I mean, they thought it was wonderful because most of the food we got was from this one baker. And, um, you know, there was cream cakes. There was all types of cakes. I mean, they th thought it was party time every day. You know, it's just like, how could it get better? Here they were having cream cakes, fresh cream cakes. But you can only live on fresh cream cakes for a while. And then God, because he's testing, what is this? What is it that you are carrying? What was, what was it for? Why did you do this? And you come back to the place. It was to see people's lives set free. The sword that I slew in my life of addiction. I was now looking to slay that giant in other people's lives. And within a matter of weeks, because it doesn't all happen like that. I'm sorry to tell you that. But in a matter of weeks, things had begun to turn around. There was a person that I'd known, and some of you may know him, Gary Brooks. He was the first, and he connected me with someone else. See, relationship. Out of that relationship, another young man, Rob Taylor, connected with me, and he said, we want to help you to establish this work here in Telford. Now, what is it that you need? I'm thinking, hey, Sharon, tell, give us the list. You know? See, but there's burdens. When we bought this place, don't you think that when you look at all of this, there's not a burden attached? Yes, we celebrate the blessing of God. But you know, there's times of burden. There's times of sleepless nights. There's times when you're praying and times when you're fasting because it seems as if all hell has come up to your door. And then you realize, oh yes, God, when I was born, you said, you was putting me in the battlefield. When you're building something that is going to have that legislative authority, then you're going to bring the gates of hell right up to my doors. So you say, I'm going to see a victory. 
I'm going to see a victory. The battle belongs to the Lord. It's not my battle. It's the Lord's battle. He is victorious. He has overcome. He has triumphed. And we're just moving in that train. It's just like we are just sweeping up and cleaning up the mess so that we can align people back into their place of relationship with God. Are you with me this morning? See, what is it that you're doing? What age are you? You know, I could have gone through what I did at 33, 43, what I did at 46. We moved to Telford. What am I going to do now at 68? Because my life is not ended. I have looked through the Bible. I have looked through the Bible so many times. I've read it so many times over the years. And one thing I've never seen is the word that's called retire. I wish I had. But I don't find it. You know, but I see church history and I see a man 60, 70, no, 80 years of age. Polycarp. And there he was facing his accusers because he's in the battlefield. And he says, here I am, 80 years old. I have known this Jesus for 40 years of my life. Never has he done me one thing wrong. How can I deny him now? And they put him on the stake and began to burn him. And he wouldn't burn. I don't know whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. So one of the, this is written in Eusebius's church history. It's an authentic account of what happened to him at his death, at his martyrdom. See, no, no retirement. I'm not asking for that. I just want to keep going. And so a soldier picks up a stake and runs it through him. And as they ram the stake into his chest, out of his chest flies 12 doves. See, now that's hard for us to get hold of, living in the natural realm. And you see, we need, time never gives up on us. God never gives up on us. There is always something that we can do. And yes, listen, I know I know that if I reach 90, I won't be doing what I'm doing now. See, there is transition and change. I'm saying that for Sharon's benefit. (laughs) There is transition and change. You know? But you see, we do change. But what are you doing with your life now? Can you mark off the points where God gave you a dream? And I said to you, dreams usually last about 20 years. So if you're coming to the end of a dream, let me tell you, get another one. Because that is what will enthrall you. I've got to march on. And so here, the the burden of the Lord. What is it that God is giving you to carry? Listen, It may be difficult. There may be weight to it. But let me tell you, you will not find any greater thing to do than bringing God's order into that situation. See, don't just think church. Church is where we get fired up. Church is where we come to worship Him. Church is where we we get our clearer vision. Nehemiah weeps to a God who keeps. See, that's what we need. That's why we come. Nehemiah weeps to a God who keeps covenant. See, what is the burden you carry? Galatians 6 verse 2. It says that if someone is overtaken in a fault, if someone's life is in ruins, we who are spiritual ought to restore such a person. Because we bear one another's burdens. There it is. You know, as that song says, he ain't heavy, he's my brother. You know, the Hollies wrote that. Do you know what the Beatles wrote? Boy, you've got to carry your load. You've got to carry your load a long time. You know, uh, they, they never gave me a pillow. They only gave me invitations. Yeah, wanting something from you. But listen, we carry one another's loads. We carry one another's burdens. That which is broken in someone's life, let me tell you, you've been assigned in order to see them restored. And so often, rather than being burden carriers, we become blame shifters. 
We look for the things that are wrong in people rather than what they can become. And so here for us, we carry one another's burdens. But also in Galatians 6.5, it talks there that each man must bear his own burden. See, there's something that you carry for someone else because you've got a little bit further in your journey and there's something that you carry for yourself. That which God has put upon you. That which God has placed upon your life. Paul says it like this. He said, I've been shipwrecked. I've been given 40 lashes minus one three times. I've been left in the sea, um, shipwrecked. I have been naked. I have been hungry. And then he says, and above all of this, I carry the burden of the church upon my life. He puts it like this, I carry the care for the churches. See, that was his biggest burden, carrying something. So he had a burden to carry. See, what are you carrying? What is the burden that you're carrying? Three things that will help you. What's the life passage God has given you in your life? That is a passage of scripture. Every time you read it, you come alive when you read it. It's like that for me. 2 Corinthians 5.17. If every man is in Christ. See, I'm like Bobby Connor on my life passages. There's only two, so I've memorized them really well. You know, I mean, Bobby's like a, a machine gun. And, uh, but if any man is in Christ, he becomes a new creation. All things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. See, that's restoration. That's seeing what people can become. Well, we look not at the things that are seen, but the things that are unseen, because the things that are seen are temporal. The things that are unseen are eternal. 2 Corinthians 4.18. Those I've got lodged in me. That's what I give my life to every day. They're there when I study the word, when I'm looking at even preparing. I'm looking at God. How can you, how can you take people's lives and get them to see just how new and renewed they become, that they are new creations, that their lives are no longer in ruins, that in Christ they've been changed and transformed. They don't have to keep looking at the rubble of their past life. They can look at the recreation of their new life see that's it when we look at you know your dreams your visions it's seeing that which is unseen being able to get hold of that vision get hold of that dream and so here you know your life passage then there's the prophetic words I said when we moved to Dudley when we moved to Telford quickly I know I'm taking a bit of time this morning but listen when we moved to Telford it was I saw a television program and it said there I'd been to a meeting I just made a plan of action the plan of action here's a good one for you Mark I just made this whole plan that we were going to go to Copenhagen and we were going to work with Copenhagen, Denmark Youth for Christ. We were going to have this center right in the heart of Copenhagen. I'd made this plan. It, take, it took me six months to put this plan together, how we were going to go into that city, how we were going to reach the young people of that city. And I go to a meeting, and in the meeting, there was a prophetic word, and the prophetic word was, I just said to Sean, I'm going to this meeting. I just finished the plan, and I put it on my desk. And I went to this meeting. There was a prophet there prophesying. He says, there is someone here this evening and you have made your plans and God says, put them away. I couldn't believe it. He says, and you've been on the sidelines watching and I'm about to put you right in the midst of the battle. We're back into battle. And, and that's all he said. And then he said, and you're that man. I mean, you could have knocked me over the feather. I get home. Sharon was watching the news. And on the news, Telford came up. The worst um, heroin addiction spot in the whole of the country. It was the link point between Liverpool and Birmingham. And God said to me as I looked at that, pro I hadn't said anything to Sharon. And God says, and there is the midst of the battle for you. Within a matter of weeks, our house had sold, and three months later, we were in Telford. See, circumstances. The prophetic word, so that was one, how you get hold of what God is wanting. Circumstances, never give up on circumstances, but there's also the prophetic word. When we moved to Dudley, I had a prophetic dream. I was in this castle. In the castle, I went into a tunnel 
walked into the tunnel two miles and came out on the waterfront. I spoke, shared that with somebody. I think it was Jem Park. Uh, Jem. Um, Jane Sargent. I think it was Jem and Tam. And, uh, and they said, that's Dudley. Steve Hepton phoned me up. You know Steve. Steve Hepton phoned me up. I said, Steve, I think I'm moving from Telford. We were just in the midst of a major renewal in Telford. We were having three and a half thousand people show up to our conferences. I mean, it was just like I was living a dream. And, uh, and we, I had this dream about this um, building, this castle. Phoned up Steve. And I said, Steve, I think we're on the move. And he says, where are you going to, Dudley? I mean, again, you could have blown me over the feather. And uh, I said, well, he says, listen, don't, don't take that as a thus says the Lord. I said, well, let me tell you, last night I had a dream and I was in a castle and somebody else this morning has said to me, that's Dudley. Can you see? That's how you get hold of the burden of the Lord. Your life passage prophetic words and revelation whether it comes through a prophetic word or a dream and circumstance don't ever give up on those things that is where God will speak into your life and so now rounding this thing up for this morning see is the God you worship big enough to handle the burden that you're bearing is he big enough and so here for Nehemiah what does he do he sat down listen you've got to read psalm 137 for this passage because this is what he does you think he just sat down also sitting was the wasn't the place of prayer for the people of god the place was either to kneel or to stand or to prostrate never to sit you read through the scriptures but here he sat down to pray do you read psalm 139 and here, when he sits down, he says, by the water, you read that? By the water of Babylon. That's where we sat down and wept. Where we remembered Zion. For there our persecutors said to us, play us the songs of Zion. How can we sing the songs of Zion when we're in a strange land? And so it was that he sat down. Why? Because he is identifying with the people that he's just heard about. They were sitting down. Their harps were hung up. Their voices were silenced, just like us with our masks on today. It's what the enemy's been trying to do, silence our voice. And here he sat down and is all he could do, he said, he sat down and he wept. He identified with the people. He lamented because of the load that they were carrying. Listen, you can't work this up. God doesn't cause you to fake tears. But when there is a burden that you're on, your heart becomes heavy. You see, let me say this. The burden that you carry... And I may preach on this next week, but the burden that you carry will determine the countenance that you reflect. And here he wept, then he fasted. Why? Because he was getting focus. And then he prayed. And he prayed, God of heaven. Not his problems, not the focus, but his, his focus was on the presence. He was prepared to give up the pleasures of the palace for the rigors of Jerusalem. He was prepared to give up the palace in order to look at the ruins. He was prepared to give up the praise in order to come into ridicule. See, are you prepared? See, his prayer was inclusive. You read the end of chapter 1 and he says, Lord, hear the prayer that your servant has prayed and the prayers of your servants. It wasn't about his prayer. It was about the prayers that have been offered up. We've heard a lot about that this weekend, about the, the bowl of the prayers being filled up. 
But you see here, his prayer was specific. It was, God, would you give us success? God, would you give us favor? Listen, aspiration and achievement will always require development. He needed to develop his aspiration. He needed to develop his dream. And that was going to take him nearly five months to develop his dream. Listen, these things don't just happen overnight. They take planning. They take a burden. They take a fashioning of God upon your life. And so for me and for you today, let's ask God, what is it that he's placing upon us that he wants us to bring change to? In this world that we're in, listen, we're not going back to how it was. You know, yes, our church may look the same from time to time. And we may do lots of things that are the same. But let me tell you, it won't be the same. People's lives will be forever changed. The very psyche of people's lives will change by what they're going through. And we're here as those who know what it is to experience the one who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So therefore, we can help those who are going through turmoil, uproar, change in their life. Many people, you know, realize this. Many people are going to change their profession, their vocation, their place of work over the next 6 to 12 months. There will be many people who may never go back to work, and yet they've been so fulfilled. Listen, we need to be those who can give hope to the ruins of people's lives. Amen. And if you're wanting to do that, if you're wanting God to so touch you this morning, go through this message. I want you to stand up because I want to pray for you. If you're watching online, I want to pray for you. What cycle are you in? What 20-year cycle are you in? You know, are you 33, 40, 68, 46, what is it that you're in that God wants you to so bring something to in terms of the dream he wants you to live? But listen, it's not just, I don't need you to just get hold of the, the, the quick wham, bam, slam, and then it's on to the next. What is it that you're going to give your life to and say, God, I am moving ahead to take hold of the field where I'm going to see my dream built so that other people may know your blessing.